dude, we freaking ate a sandwich. Uh, and ate that on Mike. So we did literally anything that we thought of. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Welcome to the Dream Studios podcast. I'm your host, Hogue, the recording and mixing engineer here at the Dream. And you're back for another episode. Thanks for coming back. My guest this week is Tyler Olfers. Tyler came into the Dream in early 2020. Geez, just before, just before you know what. Uh, he came in to record a song about a sandwich. But let me back up. Tyler, let me describe Tyler. Tyler is a young man with a wife and some small children. He is trim with a close-cropped beard. And he's always wearing a welcoming smile. Why am I describing Tyler physically right now? I don't know. It felt right. Tyler plays the piano and keyboards. And I know him from the band Prometheus Tree which is an unclassifiable group, I would say, but they describe themselves as a, quote, photosynthetic concoction that they have branded funk jelly. But Tyler came into the dream to record a song solo, a song he wrote, a song, like I said, about a sandwich. The song is called Industry Sandwich, and we'll put him on the hot seat soon to tell us about the lyrics and from whence this trippy piece of whimsy came. But... We had a blast recording this thing, a lot of cool sounds, a lot of fun, oddball recording moments and techniques, and uh, here's a taste of the song, just a little taste. I'm going to drop you right in the middle. You take your meat on the table. We'll listen to the whole thing soon. But first, I want to introduce Tyler Olfers. Tyler, thanks for being on the Dream Studios podcast. Please say hello to me. Hello, Hogue. What's going on? Thanks. Uh, not much is going on. You know, it's a beautiful sunny day. It's 80 degrees almost today. But enough about the weather. Let's dive right in. First, tell us a little bit about yourself that I'm sure I missed in the intro. Give us some background. Who is Tyler Olfers? <laughs> what a huge question. Why did you come in here to the Dream to record? Uh, just some stuff to help us understand uh, this song about a sandwich that you wrote. Sure, thanks. First, I have to uh, help maybe redact the comment about my trim beard because this beard is an unkempt beard that has, this is uh, negligence is what this is called, but thank you for the compliment. Uh, man, Background about me is music's been a part of my life since I was a, a little kiddo. Um, about, about when I was four or five, I started playing playing music and uh, playing some piano. Uh, this piano behind me, I'm at my mom's house actually now. Uh, it's the piano I learned how to play on. Uh, it's part of. It was always part of my life. As much as I hated it when I was growing up, taking lessons and having to practice, uh, I'm glad I stuck with it. And once I got in, old enough to join into bands, you know, middle school and high school, I started playing in bands and really took on uh, liking to write my own music, um, doing a lot of songwriting with maybe some of my classical influence if I could. Um, played in a bunch of bands and got hooked up with some really cool friends. Um, and I've been writing ever since, you know. Um, the song Industry Sandwich uh, was a song that I think came about probably a decade ago. Um, and it had, it's got some layers of inside jokes and um, some kind of interesting innuendos that I tried to implement in there. Um, what I'm looking at is Tyler, like you said, in front of the piano that he learned on as a kid. And there are two um, marble busts of 
Beethoven and Mozart um, on either side of the piano. That's quite a backdrop you've got there. But yeah, let's move right into Industry Sandwich. And I think we should start with the lyrics because um, it's a funny song. And I think perhaps, if I may, if I may, Tyler, can I just read these lyrics? Please do. Okay, ready? I'm going to read these to the listener and to you, Tyler. You got your bread and your mustard out, and you spread it all over. Close the cap. You cut the cheese down the middle, and you take both halves. Stack it up for yourself. Is this what you wanted? Is this what you need to be a player now? Because I'm on to your game, and I'm working my way up to there. You take your meat on the table, and you lay it all out, pile it on, eat it all. You pick your teeth with your finger, then you stick it back out, point around, lay it down. Is this what you wanted? Is this what you mean to be a player now? Because I'm onto your game, and I'm working my way up to there. Maybe I'm performing this. To pull you out. I love it. And drag you around, to wolf you down as a part of my sandwich. All right. What's going on here? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, I think, so first of all, this, this song was written, uh, I'll have to admit, it was written as a passive-aggressive, impulsive response to something uh, that now I look back on and I kind of laugh at. It uh, turned into an inside joke. There's somebody that we used to work with a lot that uh, everything we did, um, if we didn't understand something or we were asking a question like, why don't we do it this way? I'm talking about being in the studio. Uh, we would get the response that this is industry standard. This is industry standard. Um, so just like, just do it because this is industry standard. Uh, and that just became an inside joke with uh, Shane, uh, the uh, band creator of uh, Prometheus Tree. Between, it came an inside joke. We would just say, oh, is that industry standard? Um, we had a little falling out with, uh, with some of the groups that we were, or the group that we were working with there. And um, that, that line just stuck. And I was spending uh, home, home one afternoon, uh, at our apartment at the time, and I was like, man, I need, I need to write a song that's something that's just different uh, that, without trying to think so deep and stuff about, oh, what, write about some philosophical, trippy stuff. Um, I was going out into the kitchen. I was like, I'm going to eat some lunch first. I'm going to make a sandwich. And as I was, I was like, I should write a song about making a sandwich. Um, and then as I was, you know, making the sandwich, I started thinking about what each part of the sandwich could metaphorically mean. Um, you know, and, and then metaphorically for what? Uh, so I started thinking about music and I started thinking about the music industry. Um, the song Industry Sandwich came, you know, from the industry standard thing. And um, so my, is this what you wanted? Is this what you mean? Is, is kind of the saying like, all right, is this, is this what you think? Is this what it takes to, to make it as a songwriter or you know, make it as an independent musician? Um, it became my anthem or uh, it became an anthem, you know, to the music industry of, why is it so freaking difficult to, <laughs> to make it in the music industry? If you're so passionate about something, uh, why is it so freaking hard? I don't know. Um, but each, so I, may, I also kind of tailored the lyrics so that they sounded a little bit corny. They sounded a little bit uh, grotesque because I felt like your straight up the middle pop music, you know, and, and old school metal and classic rock had these sexual innuendos in them that I tried to layer mine really deep in there so that it could still be kid friendly of a song. And maybe it kind of comes across like a Shrek. Um, but each part, it's kind of taking you through the steps of, uh, making a sandwich. Uh, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's being that cheap and generic straight up the middle lyric, corny, easy lyrics. And, um, and then it's kind of a backhand to, 
<laughs> to those who tell you that this is how you make it, yet they never really made it themselves. Right. I think it's a brilliant um, paradigm you're working with here. I love the way that building a sandwich is a, is a stand-in for, for building a song. And what you're building here is a pretty generic sandwich. It's got bread, mustard, meat, cheese. Um, you cut it through the middle. You have two halves, blah, blah, blah. And there's a formula. There's a, a sandwich is basically a formula. And my understanding was that you're saying... Is is the industry just like a formula in the same way uh, making a sandwich is? Is it is it that <laughs> is it that dumbed down at this point? Um, another thing I love, and we'll we'll sort of segue into the production of the song, is that the building of the sandwich runs in parallel. You know, those lyrics run in parallel to the building of the arrangement, the building of the song. You know, you add elements in the lyrics, you add elements to the sandwich, but uh, from a production standpoint, it was interesting to see you come in here and add, build the song from something that's small and a little thin sounding into, you know, we start adding shakers and more, more and more sounds and whatnot. I think maybe we can, we can start with the acapella intro. I love that acapella intro. It's very Beach Boysy, and that's probably why I like it. Nice. Um, <laughs> and let's let's just take a listen to that real quick. I I kind of recall you did that later, didn't you? Why why did you decide to uh, do an acapella intro? I think it's because, man, I can't honestly. I don't really remember why. I don't either. <laughs> I'm trying to think about my original little apartment recording that I did of it and. I remember, I remember now, Hogue, and that, that did. I think that was a studio okay. ad for you. I do that at the very end of the song, so the very last oh. part of the song is is harmonizing that note. And it's repeating, and it's just harmonizing the last you know few letters of a word. And I think we did that. I want to say you said that this needs to go at the beginning, also. So I'm, okay, so let's listen to the end. If I don't remember it clearly, yeah, let's listen to the end. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay. Well, mystery solved. <laughs> yeah, because I definitely don't do that when I play it live. Um, I was trying to think. I was like, why do I do that? But I think that happened uh, at the dream. It, that's a very cool part. And your voice your voice layers sound so good there. You got a great voice, man. Thanks, dude. So we start the song on, with your voice. It's like a bullet mic, really thin kind of radio sound, like kind of sounds like someone's calling into the radio and and your vocal is that for i don't know how long it is maybe a minute and and uh so typically what would happen there if we wanted that sound and we when we thought that was a good idea to to make the drop kind of bigger when we when we have your full voice come in so we thought well let's thin out his vocal and usually what you do is you know EQ it take out a bunch of the low end take out a bunch of the really high end and have this small mid-range high mid-range um, on your vocal, and it, and it sounds really thin. You cut the cheese in the middle. You had, you're, the bass player that came in is, is, a, is a wonderful engineer, uh, recording engineer, mixing engineer, Adam Donovan, right? Yeah, he's a good buddy. And he said, fuck that. Don't EQ it. <laughs> let's just do it. Let's do it at the source. And I said, tell me more, friend. And he said, have you ever do the headphone trick? And do you remember this? 
Yeah, absolutely. I loved it. That was so Ta- cool. <laughs> take over the story. Take over the story. How did we do it? Um, Adam, in his super calm and chill way, he's like, have you ever done the headphone trick? And we kind of looked puzzled for a second saying, nope. <laughs> headphone trick. Uh, and he said, yeah, you just plug the headphone in uh, to your input and you use the headphone speaker as the microphone. And so what that looks like, if I don't know if people will be able to see this, but I will be putting my face in my mouth up to the ear muff on the micro or on the headphone, and that becomes my microphone. And it sounded like the coolest freaking AM radio tape cassette sound I could imagine. It was exactly what, what we were talking about as we were all spitballing there. It was exactly what we were talking about. And there was really no, I mean, we could have achieved it the other way, but there was just something so fun and real about doing it that way so yeah basically like what tyler just said is you you would take the other end of a microphone and you have an adapter and you know if for the for the laymen out there laymen and laywomen uh there's a special type of microphone connection and you can have an adapter at the end of any set of headphones and then it would you can plug that into a microphone input and that's what we did and like tyler said he just sang into one of the ears on the headphones and actually we recorded you doing it. So there's a clip on the Dreams, what's it called? Dream Studios ATX Instagram and uh, of you doing that, tracking that uh, headphone vocal. That came up on my memory the other day. I shared that, by the way, on uh, Facebook. I love, I like that little promo clip. Did it? Yeah. It came up on my memories. Awesome. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to reshare this. <laughs> and you know what else was funny? We rode that vocal sound, like I said, for maybe a minute. And the, the signal that everything's going to change, there's like a big pause in the song, is a big vibra-slap. <laughs> you know that thing? Yeah, I could never it's think of what that don- was called. Yeah, it's, it's also called a donkey call, but let's play that right here. You take your yeah, so that funny little instrument right there kind of ends the first section, and then everything comes in bigger, you know? Yeah, I don't think I don't. Yeah, I don't think we could have gotten enough of that in there. No, we. But we we we. Uh, the donkey call, aka vibra slap, is very effective. We only use it a few times. I think we used it there and maybe tucked it away in other times. But then it's at the end yeah. also. Before we kind of dissect the rest of the song, talk about your vision coming in here for Industry Sandwich. What did you want to do with it, or did you have a vision for it? So. When I came to the dream with Industry Sandwich, I, I really, the, the, all the different times I've come into the studio, I've learned by now that um, if, you know, you come, you come ready to perform your part of the song um, as, as best as possible, uh, so you want to be really well practiced, but I always want to make sure that there's enough room for there to be uh, stuff to be built on in the studio and stuff to really come to shape, to shape out and come to life. Um, especially if you know, like, Hogue, you, you know, I've been a bit, I've been a fan of your music, uh, and, and all the bands and, and st- stuff that you've done work for and all your recordings that you've done. So, you know, knowing that, all right, I'm going into the studio and, uh, you know, dude, I've been a fan of for a while is going to be, uh, recording me. I want to, I want to make sure that there's room for input there. So I, 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 you know, I had my idea. If we, if we were to show what the song sounded like before the dream, and then after the dream, uh, I think you would definitely be able to see that that's what happened. Uh, the song really came to life. Like you said, it was a pretty simple song coming in there, just straight up uh, acoustic. And I played a, a glockenspiel, and I played some like hand bongos, uh, real simple little stuff tucked away in the background. And we we took that and uh, we did all of those things. 
and then we really added a whole lot. So I was really excited to um, to come in there and, and let that song come alive. Yeah, you did a lot. You added a lot of um, textures to it, kind of dry, scratchy textures. Uh, we kept your guitar pretty dry, and then you had you had uh, shakers, tambourines, like you said, said the glockenspiel, uh, the vibraslap. Tell us about tell us about the glockenspiel. So uh, I acquired this glockenspiel when I was a wee lad. I might have been eleven or twelve, and maybe thirteen. But my uh, my older brother's uh, one of his friends. She was in band or something like that, and she wasn't going to be in band anymore. But she kept that glockenspiel. So she hooked me up to this little glockenspiel, a couple of mallets, and a case. I've had it ever since. Um, we started using it in Prometheus Tree. And I think I had it out that one day that I wrote in my apartment because um, we were doing some Prometheus Tree stuff, and uh, I just kind of fiddled around on it. And I just thought the way I thought it sounded cool. I thought it was a neat element that was something just something different to do whenever I'm making my home little scratch recording. So uh, it was neat to be able to replicate that and see that you know how well it would go with all the other instruments that we added at the Dream. Yeah, it adds this quirky psychedelic ding dongy. <laughs> feel to it all it's like a trippy bluesy doorbell sound (laughs) yeah exactly that's much much better expressed but um as i recall am i i might be making this up but i always seem to have a hard time finding the mallets for it i think did we use a couple of pencils on the eraser side wow yeah what did we use we used like the back of a symbol stand or something i don't know it was something really bizarre (laughs) yeah we just had to make make do because those glockenspiel uh, mallets will disappear on you. But um, since you just brought up Adam, let's talk about Adam. His bass playing, I love his bass playing on this. He he's got some really good movement, bluesy movement. You know? Oh yeah, and beyond the the bluesy movement that he does, his placement is is phenomenal. Like you know, playing the role of you know he he definitely takes the role of this is a team event. This is not a bass solo song and I'm, I'm gonna shine and get famous from this like he played it so appropriately you know how he played from the intro playing like whole notes and stuff and uh and then whenever we snap in big vocals come and the donkey rattle thing happens uh <laughs> then he really comes with his just moving riff and i don't what is that that walking that walking kind of riff that he does is just i love it that that to me is like taking the song to another level uh it makes you want to bounce your head and move around a little bit when you came in here we were thinking possibly drums, right? Yeah, I absolutely was coming in thinking, if I'm coming to record with Hogue, he's laying down some drums for me. And then as we did it, the suggestion to keep it just light uh, hand percussion um, and, you know, some shaky instruments, uh, that definitely that definitely trumped and took suit there. I think something was lost having an actual drum kit in there. It made it less special of a song somehow less strange yeah that's true although it was really fun jamming it because i had bones freaking gibson like hanging all the way down to my knees and i felt like i should be playing some like (laughs) hardcore classic rock or metal song or something and i'm just that's right that's right (laughs) that was a lot of fun to play it like that in that setting wanted to ask you uh did you accomplish what you set out to do here at the dream did the result we got um, match your expectations. Uh, part of me, before you answer that, what I really liked about you, your coming here was that it seemed as much about 
the experience for you as about the end result. It seemed equal parts, you know, wanting to get a good a good version of the song, but also wanting to have a good day. And that's a, one of the things I love about you is you're a, you're such a, a a bright, effervescent person who who you know sees sees the value in things just for doing the thing. You Thanks. know what I mean? Thanks, man. And I, I think that is how I look at it. Um, if I might say, I, I don't like when we when I set in to do this song. I'm not. I'm not really thinking about what the result is of. Oh man, this song is going to be the song that takes me on the road or or makes me famous and, and whatever, man. I, the way I look at that, I don't know. I, I should have started doing that a long time ago if that was what I was going to be hustling for for the first time. <laughs> uh, but it. I, I want to go back and answer the first part of your question there of, of did I get yeah. what I wanted out of the uh, out of the song, my expectations, and I would say absolutely. And, I, and the way I relate it is. Um, just like I remember going getting tattoos, like the day I turned 18, I was ready to go get tattoos and my brother was all tatted up and, um, I I was so excited and I had it in my mind, what kind of tattoo I wanted. I want a sacred heart. And, uh, I had, I had visualized in my head. And then when you work with the artist, uh, the tattoo artist, I found out out of all the tattoos I have on my body, nine times out of 10, the tattoo is going to end up looking a lot cooler. Uh, if you let them kind of steer the ship a little bit and and put their influence and their implementations on it, uh, it's going to look a lot cooler than you ever imagined because they're the artists. That's their craft. Um, and so when I came to the studio with Industry Sandwich, one, I wanted it to be a song that you'd heard before and you'd made a comment on it. And so I was like, all right, it's a song that he's already heard and he you know he made a nice comment on it. He, he liked it. And, uh, and two, yeah. I wanted to let let it be open enough to to let you do what you do to it. So I was I was really just about the experience, like you said. I was excited to come and record with you. I was really excited to bring my buddy Adam with me. Um, I, I do a lot of uh, hanging out and musicing and recording with him and stuff for fun, and uh, and I was really excited for you guys to meet. So I was like, man, this is going to be a really cool experience. So, and when I say I wasn't focused on the result, I wasn't focused on the result of becoming popular or famous from it, but I was focused on the result of being, uh, you know, making it about a great experience, the result of that is going to be a product that you can't be upset with. So uh, it was a great, it was a great time. Ah, that's well said. And yeah, Adam is, Adam was a delight. I, I I didn't know Adam. I just, that was the first time I met him. Um, And when he was here for the first hour, I didn't know he was a uh, uh, recording whiz himself. Uh, he's just a fascinating guy and a really, uh, really generous guy, willing to share his his deep uh, his wealth of knowledge. Dude, that, he's very uh, handy, crafty. He could fix, build, and think through anything. Um, and, you know, just like that little headphone idea. He's a he's a he's a really good engineer, uh, just in general. Just to be able to make up something or find a tool or find something that will also get the result that you want to get out of it. So I thought that was a really awesome uh, mix to have us three in there kind of co-producing this thing and hashing it all out and getting you involved on the shakers and getting him involved on whatever that other shaker thing that he's got that you twist. What's that called? <laughs> oh, yeah. He did the uh, he did the kibasa. Yes. And, and like the, between the shaker and the kibasa, um, 
I mean, we even composed those parts. We, we didn't, you didn't just shake it one way. We had like three different parts that you shook. I'm like, all right, on these parts, you shake it like this. On, on this part, you shake it and you hold it up in the air and do it like this. And on this part, you, oh, you do all of them right. like this. So, I mean, every, everything we, and our ideas just flowed one off, one off of another. Uh, and that's really what you want, you know, whenever you work with anybody uh, on anything that you need to be creative on is you want to let that creative process just flow. Um, and as long as it's a possible and a technically achievable idea, you should just let them flow and try them out. And I think that's what we did a lot of. I don't think there was a lot of no and convincing of anything on anybody. I mean, dude, we freaking ate a sandwich uh, and ate that on Mike. So we did literally anything. That yeah, we we're going to get to that. <laughs> we're going to get to that. Before we do get to that, I, I wanted to say that uh, that tends to happen with percussion, especially, I think. The ball starts to roll and you say, well, what if we did this? What if we changed, what if we did the shaker like this or changed the grip on the shaker? And what if we added the finger symbols and then put a little vibra slap on? Um, it's just a funny thing about percussion. It's like, that's why they call it toys is because you just, they're fun, man. And um, yeah, I remember <laughs> there's so many ways you can do a shaker. You're right. There's, you can kind of roll those beads and make it, you know, without emphasis. So it's just like or you can go hard and, and like flip it around so that the beads hit the end of it. So it's like, um, so that was, that was a fun time. But the sandwich, speaking of percussion, I think we can classify those sandwich sounds as a piece of percussion. And before we dig into how we did that, let's play a little bit of, of the track where you can hear the sandwich come out. Here we go. Okay, so do you remember building that sandwich up in my apartment above the studio? I do. I took, I have four photos that I was like, these are going to be used as content for this, or they're going to be like liner notes or something for the single if I put this out as a single. <clears throat> yeah, it had some pretty gnarly ingredients on there, which ended up actually being very tasty um, and probably one of the healthier sandwiches that you could build. I don't remember what kind of bread you buy, but the bread, the bread was large enough to, to hold the avocado spread and the crisp tortilla chips and uh, almonds. It was tortilla chips, that's right. Yep, tortilla chips and almonds. <laughs> it, was... <laughs> it was not built for, for taste. It was built for, uh, in a utilitarian way to, make, to maximize crunch. That's got to be the best way to explain it is utilitarian. Um, it just it served its purpose. And <laughs> it, it was fortunate as a sidekick that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't distasteful either. Uh, it wasn't something that my brother and I used to do to make sure we didn't tell mom by, I'll eat anything you say, and we would make the nastiest things possible to eat. This was a, this was a good one to do, especially when we were doing it on mic. <laughs> yeah. Taken individually, the components were tasty, but um, put it together, it must have tasted strange. But we got a good sound, didn't we? Yes, we did. I would eat that sandwich again on microphone. And thank God we got, <laughs> thank God we got it. Uh, in the first in the first take, although I'm not sure how you could mess up eating a sandwich on the mic, but you know, had we decided that it wasn't crunchy enough, we would have had to make another sandwich, and you might have gotten full. I would have been very very full. <laughs> You'll have to forward me those photos if you still have them of the sandwich. I will, so that we can post it. It reminds me of when the Beach Boys did a song called Vegetables, and. Uh, actually, Paul McCartney was at the session, and uh, Brian Wilson asked Paul McCartney, "Hey, will you will you get in on this? Will you chew 
um, carrots and celery, and then we're going to put it in stereo, and it's going to be like celery on the left, carrots on the right. <laughs> and he's like, sure, Brian. And uh, so they just recorded themselves eating vegetables, and it was like, you know, kind of like a kick and snare, like, you know. That's a brilliant idea. I wanted to ask you about some of your favorite memories from the session. I enjoyed our little stroll up to that outdoor bar up the street from the studio. Uh, people were selling their wares and whatnot. It was kind of like a mini farmer's market. Um, do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I bought some things. <laughs> yeah, what did you get? What did you get? You bought something for Jen, right? Yeah, I think I got a couple of things, but one of the things, I bought a hanging wood art uh, it was this really fancy yes. style of wood, and I don't remember what kind of wood it is. It was a it was an interesting little craft craft fair going on there. Um, I think you advised me to buy to you helped me pick out which one I should get because I was like, all right, if I'm spending the whole day away from Jen, I ought to get her something. And I was going to pick one or the other, and I think you you advised on the one that I got. That's how it went because, and I think we were going a little over too. And you're like, okay, well, if I'm going to spend a couple more hours here, I got to get I'm going to get something for her. <laughs> but um, I bet she liked it. Uh, there was some, yeah, there was some cool stuff there. Uh, there was like retro outfitted Bluetooth speakers that I was attracted to. I remember. Remember those? Yeah, I do remember those. You know, obviously I always enjoy hanging out with you and getting the chance, the opportunity to, to kick it with you. And, um, and all, you know, and as well, we had a mission there too, but it was, it's nice to get to pick your brain on on your creative side. Uh, I like how, you know, you're, you're willing to share that stuff pretty freely. Um uh, the big thing to me is uh, you and my buddy Adam. You know, you, you let me bring, you let me bring a friend over, um, and you know it didn't turn into like a oh this producer this guy's bringing another engineer over here and it turns into two car mechanics you know in competition you know or that it, it, it <laughs> to me it was just that, that culmination of of introducing two really cool people and talented people to, to each other. Um, that, you know, he speaks really highly of you and, you know, you speak really highly of him. And I was like, cool, man. I, int- I introduced two people that didn't know each other before, uh, that I can't believe didn't know each other before, uh, that, that I think that was cool. And, you know, that walk to the, to the, the outdoor bar over there was a sweet treat. That was nice too. Cause I, I love me some South Austin and you're like right in the heart of South Austin. I freaking love it over there. It's one of my favorite places to go. Yeah. See, that's what I mean about you. You chose a memory that for you was your favorite memory was bringing two other people together. Uh, you're a selfless dude and you just like to see people meet and get along. And yes, uh, I'll say it again. Adam was a delight. And, you know, you said the thing about getting two car mechanics together and then competing. Adam didn't even say, and, and maybe, maybe you told me, but I, I don't know. Maybe, I guess I forgot, but Adam didn't even let on that he was a <laughs> engineer for the first like hour and a half. He was here he he was deferential until it the information came out and then he was willing to share some of his tips and secrets and i'm grateful for that so i think that's a that's a wonderful answer ty but um i also have a question i got i got two more questions one of them is do you have a favorite thing in the dream a favorite item um you're in there tracking there's a lot to look at in there this is something i ask all the guests is there something in particular that you thought was funny or cool that's uh, sitting around or hanging up on the wall in there, if you can remember? Well, 
and mine might be a, one of those head spin around and what do you, what's the, you know, what's a detail to focus in on that you see? Cause there's a lot going on in there, but it's like, it's really organized a <laughs> lot going on in there. You know, it's not like, man, there's stuff all over the place. Everything seems really well hmm. laid out strategic. I love the books around the, the rim of the ceiling, uh, up there at the, like, you know, you kind of create an apron up there of books. I like that. Uh, I love that it's functional and it just looks cool. It's classy looking. Uh, I like all your you guys' trim work, and I like the little toys and stuff that are set up that you think like, man, this place has books and toys in it. It's a recording studio, but it just it absolutely just <laughs> makes you you're immersed in this it's atmosphere that you feel like being creative in. Um, it's it's a warm room, uh, both in temperature if you need it to be, but also in just a comforting. Uh, you want to be in a in a room when you're recording that you can feel vulnerable in. Uh, as a especially as a vocalist, you want to be because that's a very sensitive instrument. Uh, and I know I recorded. I know you got an ISO section uh, to record in too, but we chose to do it out there in your in your live room. Um, but you have to have a room that you can feel vulnerable in, and 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 feel like you can, you just feel comfortable in. And it's got a really homely vibe. It's got a lot of your full service memorabilia in there, which I freaking love. It's got a lot of. It seems like it's got a lot of memories in there of y'all's um, that you guys have. That I, you know, that I appreciate, you know, as being being one a fan, and then you know later on being friends with you guys. Well, thanks for saying that, man. I teed it up. I you know I tee up the guest to say something nice about the studio. <laughs> hey, you did ask me a question that could have turned sour, <laughs> and you did that. Yeah, boldly. Could, like, hey, could. did you get what you wanted out of this? <laughs> That's true. Um, or and yeah, and you could have said no, I didn't. It fucking sucked. And Nothing then you would have had to hit a, you would have had to hit a screeching tires break. Uh, plug there. right <laughs> there's nothing about the room that i like i don't like anything that hangs on the wall um but it's good that you you do um i'm staring right now into the live room and i'm looking at some of the toys the percussion toys did we end up using that mini gong do you remember it's like a mini gong symbol we didn't i know that we, we did i know that we talked about it i don't think we did okay. i think by the time I just we want to make sure it, that the option yeah it was that the option was given well, good. We 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 were discerning and uh, discriminating about it. You don't want to just carelessly throw a mini gong on yeah, there, we, but you want it to be an option. We didn't let everything fly, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> we let a lot of stuff fly. Thank you, Tyler, for coming on to the Dream Studios podcast. Thanks you for having me, man. It means a lot. All right, here's Industry Sandwich. <sighs>
Dream Studios podcast is brought to you by PuppetTelegrams.com. Think of someone in your life. Would they love getting a personalized telegram from a puppet? Of course they would. You choose the puppet. That's the fun part. Will it be Wingo the Bat, lovable and dim-witted? Will it be Lionel the Lion, who is blustery and proud? Maybe you'll choose Layla the Chicken, sarcastic and edgy, or Vitaly the Monster, an excitable force of nature. After that, you provide some quick details about your recipient to help the puppet telegram be as personalized as possible. It's a quick and easy way to make someone laugh for quite literally any occasion. A birthday, anniversary, graduation, promotion, get well, congratulations, retirement, I miss you, and my favorite, just because. You don't have to be a kid to crack up at... You don't have to be a kid to crack up at one of these telegrams, and the messages can be anywhere from wholesome to edgy and everywhere in between. To get you started, the puppets are giving you a $10 coupon. Just use the code LAUGH, that's L-A-U-G-H, if you decide to order a puppet telegram from puppettelegrams.com.